Thanks, Pat. Uh, it's uh, really great for me to be here, and uh, I'm really thrilled with the energy that I'm already feeling is, is happening with this, and I think it'll be a really great weekend. We're, we're going to be concerned with a very important issue, the issue of feelings, how to uh, handle negative feelings, how to understand what they mean, how to work with them in productive ways instead of falling back into the unproductive patterns that we often do with negative feelings. Feelings are so important to us because we base our sense of happiness on our feelings. However, what we usually do is think that we have to achieve something or acquire something or be in a certain relationship in order to get the feeling of being happy. And one of the things I hope will emerge over the course of the weekend is that we don't need any of these things to be happy. We just need to approach our feelings in a certain way and we can experience a sense of fulfillment and happiness unrelated to achievements or possessions or relationships. That's what I call unconditional happiness and for me that's an important part of the spiritual journey. Now, I think one of the first things we could recognize right from the beginning is that just the fact that we've come together to focus on feelings work represents a tremendous step in personal growth for us, especially if any of us are new to feelings work. There exists in our society today a huge gap. We are intellectually advanced but emotionally immature. And those of us who have chosen to become more conscious about our feeling selves constitute a vanguard. We will be helping the rest of us to move to a place where we will we'll eventually experience a balance of intellect and emotions, thinking and feeling, left brain, right brain, male and female. Now, there may be specific reasons why you've been attracted to do a workshop on feelings. Um, you may simply just have uh, strong negative feelings that don't seem to go away, uh, like depression, loneliness, compulsiveness. You may be experiencing active emotions, like anger, jealousy, or fear that erupt from time to time and undermine relationships. And uh, relationships, especially personal relationships, are the primary place where our most deeply held feelings emerge. You may not be having feelings, and you may be perceptive enough to understand that this can be a problem. Or you may just wish to become more familiar with the vocabulary and dynamics of, of feelings. You may find yourself locked into patterns, limiting fixed patterns that you wish to grow out of and beyond. It's my opinion that these patterns are both created by and then held in place by the suppressed feeling energy that we're carrying within. And that we can't really change these patterns until we release the feeling energy. You may be experiencing stress, and I like to think of stress as 
the condition of negative feelings coming up faster than they can be released. You may be concerned with the impact of feelings with health. And this is a, a very important uh, topic that we could almost do a separate workshop on. It's gotten a lot of attention lately with people like Bill Moyers and Bernie Siegel and Deepak Chopra all strongly suggesting that there's a connection between suppressed feelings and poor health. Or you, you may just be on the spiritual path and you may be concerned with a way to integrate feelings with your spiritual journey. Now all these situations can be handled by the approach that we'll be looking at this weekend. Uh, there are two objectives for us this weekend. The first is to have a training to be exposed to principles, uh, the principles that I've described in my book, to learn the system of integrative processing, to get the tools and insights that will enable us to practice what we could call self-therapy. But it's, for me, my experience with this has been that it's gone beyond just being a way to work with feelings, although I still, feeling, I still feel that working with feelings is a very basic part of the spiritual path that's usually been neglected up till now. But just this, this basic approach through feelings has been such a powerful route to, uh, to higher consciousness, if I may use that term. Um, maybe that will be your experience as you practice, or maybe some of you have already had that experience. The other objective for us is to set up conditions here that will encourage the actual releasing of feelings to happen. Now, when feelings get released, there is usually, but not always, some kind of strong emotional experience that accompanies or embodies the release. That means there can be tears or some other kind of expression. So I'd like us to agree that we will allow for the possibility of feelings to emerge over the course of this weekend, that we will be accepting and tolerant of the process as it occurs in ourselves or in others, and that we will give each other space and support. Now, what I'd like to do is just go over some of the background, which is critical for us to understand. It's really important to know why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, most of this I've covered in the book, but there's a couple things that, that I haven't included in the book that I want to include tonight. For me, it all starts with this concept of duality. Duality is an ancient philosophical principle, mostly uh, coming from the East, which states that our experience, uh, and it usually refers to our experience on the material plane, our experience is dualistic, meaning that we are unable to perceive any one kind of quality without the experience or the knowledge of the complementary quality. For example, um, up and down, 
in and out, hot and cold, space and solid. We couldn't even know about space unless we had space, unless we had solids somewhere in there. Now this, this principle of duality is easy enough to understand on the, the physical plane. When we start taking it to the inner experience, it gets a little more subtle because I believe the exact same principles apply to our inner experience, to our emotional experience, to our feeling experience. Basically, it's happiness and unhappiness, pleasure and pain, tension and relaxation. There's always a complementary side to the emotional experience that we have. Now, I think it's I don't believe that this means that we have to be unhappy half the time. <laughs> I, I just think that it means that we have to acknowledge that there is a so-called negative component to our feeling experience. That we will, even with the one that we love the most, we will experience periods of being alienated. We will experience periods of being alone. And what happens is, let's say theoretically now, sometime in the past, we've resisted the experience of the negative. And it's easy enough to see how we could do that because on the material plane, we do have to resist certain conditions simply in order to survive. We have to move towards a goal. We have to protect ourselves from some things and go for some other things. But we extend that same kind of logic to our emotional selves, to our feeling selves, and that's where we start getting into trouble. Because when we resist our inner experience, what we do is prevent the feeling energy from being completed. That's the nature of feelings. Feelings consist of some kind of energy and we, you know, as we talk about these things in sort of a sort of a scientific way, we're sort of in the same situation as all of science is. We recognize that things exist, but we don't really know why it's this way. We don't really know what an atom is or what a positive and negative charge is again, a dualistic manifestation. But we think that there is some kind of feeling energy. And unless it gets experienced, it's the simple experiencing of it that completes the cycle, dissolves the energy, and finishes the gestalt, we could say. But when we resist an experience, and what's happened is that because we've become so used to resisting, we've actually lost the capacity to experience in, in significant ways. And, and that's a large part of the problem. Even though the, the answer is very easy, uh, it's very simple, just experience your feelings, we have to redevelop that quality and examine the blocks that are coming up. So, when we resist an experience, that feeling energy gets trapped and held in our being. And we've come to say that it gets held in our psychic being, our emotional body, and in our physical self. 
many psychologists, psychologists like Wilhelm Reich, have proposed that he was the first in, in the West to propose that the energy actually becomes stored in the body and that working with the body could affect emotional releases. And that's the way that these, this feeling energy affects our health. When the feeling energy builds to a certain point where it starts manifesting in the physical, we say heart attack or we say cancer. Now, maybe there are other contributions to the way disease becomes formulated and the way it continues, but I like to think that the emotional component is certainly significant. Now, when we resist, we fall into what's become known as suppression. When we don't recognize the feeling, when we clamp down on that feeling energy, we suppress the feeling. That's the terminology that's, that's evolved. So suppression is something that basically we all do, and it results in what we've also come to call the subconscious. The subconscious may have several factors that contribute to its existence. I like to think that one of the main factors in the origination of the subconscious is the suppression that we do. It's that feeling energy and the associated thoughts with it that get locked into this place. They become unconscious when we suppress them. We push them below our level of awareness. And just the fact that we can do that is somewhat remarkable if you think about it, but we do have the ability to do that. We lock that feeling energy into a place where it's unconscious but still with us, and it accumulates, it builds, it forms what we could almost think of as a, a separate entity at times, but it's building the subconscious. And you know, I just had an interesting thought the other day. We have the subconscious, and then we're postulating that because we have all this suppressed energy, we're reacting to it, we're reacting to our projections and so on, but, and that we created all this suppressed energy from some time in the past. We've suppressed our feelings in the past, possibly even going back into some kind of previous existence if we want to think along those lines. And that's why we're carrying this burden with us that we have to somehow clear. But it's interesting to think of the concept of original sin along these lines. The idea that if we equate original sin to the subconscious load that we're carrying, maybe as we come into this earth, we come in with some kind of unconscious baggage already intact. And maybe it's not just the fact that we've suppressed when we were kids or the past life or whatever. To me, it's kind of an interesting way to think about it. Who knows what the answer is? I certainly don't know. But it's a possibility. So maybe that'll help you relieve some of your guilt feelings about, about <laughs> having to deal with all this stuff at this point. But whatever the reason for our condition, the fact remains that we do have this internal energy that's stored, locked within, that we have to release. And if we don't release it, <clears throat> if we don't release it consciously, it starts working on us. And the main characteristic 
of the subconscious for the work that we're doing is projection. And I'd like to go into projection in a little more detail right, right now because this is, this is the, the fundamental basis for all of the work that we're going to do. And as we examine projection, what we're doing is also um, giving us the specific information and tools to work successfully with the first step of processing, which is awareness, to, to use our intellectual powers to organize our experience, to recognize what's happening. We work on four different planes, intellectual, mental, body, and spiritual. And each is important to allow processing to occur successfully. On the intellectual plane, we have to recognize when projections are occurring. Now, I, I've separated projections into three different stages. The, the, the second and third stages I talk about in the book, this first stage, I don't talk about in the book so directly, I sort of talk around it, but I, it, this idea has been developing with me more and more over, over uh, recent months. The first stage of projection occurs because we've suppressed and essentially condemned and cut ourselves off from certain aspects of ourself namely those feelings that we've resisted having, we then become more sensitive to influences in our environment that remind us of those cut-off parts. We see ourselves in others. And this is a real important concept to get in our work. And this is something that's said a lot. We see ourselves in others. And, and, you know, what exactly does that mean and, and how does that come about? It comes about because the parts of ourselves that we've cut off, that we've cut off ourselves from are, are trying to burst out. And we're trying, and we become more sensitive to anything that reminds us of those. So whenever someone outside of ourselves catches our attention, whenever we have a strong reaction to something outside of ourselves, it's because it's reminding us, or it may be reminding us, of what we've suppressed inside ourselves. And from that point of view, we see ourselves in, in the other person. What we're reacting to is a reflection of ourselves. And that's why we can all have different experiences of the same person or the same stimulus. We all go to a movie and we all have completely different experiences. However, because we have essentially condemned those aspects within ourselves that we've cut ourselves off from, we then usually condemn the outer reflection. We become judgmental. We become intolerant. We judge the mirror and we say that that's bad usually. Because we've judged ourselves within. Do we all see this? It's just a reflection of what's happening on the inside. For example, sexuality. We suppress the sexuality within and then we condemn sexuality outside of ourselves. We suppress the anger within and then we condemn and punish 
those of us who commit acts of violence instead of treating them with compassion. We're always condemning what we're projecting. At the same time, we are fascinated by those objects that are receiving our projections. Just look at the sex and violence on TV. We're fascinated by it. So we're in this situation of reacting strongly to a stimulus, which is only our sort of exaggerated, limited perception of something, and we're condemning it, and we're fascinated by it. Now, if this isn't the beginning of neurosis, I don't know what is. We're automatically in a kind of approach avoidance relationship to our object of projection. And if you recall from uh, Psychology 101, approach avoidance is what drives the rats the craziest, the fastest. So that's the first level of projection. We're, we're simply reacting to ourselves, seeing ourselves in the other, judging ourselves, having opinions. Now the second stage of projection is when we start getting our feelings even more directly involved. It's when we think that someone else or some situation is making us feel a certain way. We think that we've assigned the responsibility for our experience to the outside mirror. What we're doing now is overlaying our perception of a simple reality with the feelings that are within. For example, uh, our partner has to work late one night and we react with feelings of abandonment. All of our abandonment fears and issues come up and we get angry, we get lonely, we, we feel helpless. And then we, we blame our partner, we have a confrontation, we make demands. And we don't see that what's happening is the event, which could be completely innocent, is just triggering the feelings that we're holding within. Second stage of projection. Now, as you start working on yourself, or if you keep working with some regularity on yourself, on all these different levels, the intellectual level, what, what you start doing is just becoming more aware of your responses to what's happening. And you'll say, am I projecting here? I always feel that it's good to make the assumption that we are projecting because usually it's true whenever we have a strong reaction. It usually keeps you safe. But you're going to go through levels of awareness that you didn't even suspect. Things that are triggering you off, the ways that you assign responsibility to those outside events. You'll go through different layers of realization. That's part of the process of growth, uncovering these different layers. The third layer, a third level of uh, projection uh, these first two levels are recognized by Western psychology. This third level is not recognized by Western psychology, but is recognized by the East.
and this is the condition where we actually attract events and people to us that correspond to the suppressed energy that we're holding within. And for me, this is such a significant contribution of the East. We really do attract someone who, who really abandons us, starting with our parents, continuing with our high school sweetheart, our first and second marriage. And even when we become aware of the pattern, we, we seem to be helpless to break it. And that's what psychology used to think, and probably many uh, psychother psychotherapists still do. Uh, the idea is just to become aware of your patterns and then do better. You know, so you're always, now that you're aware that you're always attracting someone who's abandoning you, be more careful about who you choose to be with. <laughs> you know, be more careful. But in spite of taking, you know, the greatest pains to change the pattern, to find someone who's, who's different, we find something that seems to be different. And we get involved in it and we discover that it's the same old thing over again. We just didn't recognize it somehow. So in a way, we're helpless to break out of the pattern through using our minds, through using the intellect. The intellect can recognize the pattern, can recognize the projections, but cannot lead us out of 